through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. After dark one evening, a Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to speak with Jesus. Teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, The truth is, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it's coming from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. What do you mean? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher. And you don't understand these things? I assure you, I am telling you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe us. But if you don't even believe me when I tell you about things that happen here on earth, how can you possibly believe if I tell you what is going on in heaven? For only I, the Son of Man, have come, on to, have come to earth, and will return to heaven again. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole, so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. John 3.16. Wow. How does a pastor or a minister or a preacher or a teacher touch on that in 10 to 15 minutes. Today's story is rich in truth and application for our lives. God's word and how to apply it in our very own lives. I figured out I could take all 17 of these verses and we could do one verse every Sunday for a month until we were finished with all 17 of each Sunday and still have more to cover. But today we only have a few minutes to explore them. Therefore, you will be pleased to know I have studied and sought to summarize. It's just again for us. As I sat here thinking about it and listening to the Spirit, this was a hard lesson, I say that every Sunday, to put into um, conversation with the congregation and with me to hear um, because 
and commands. And he is telling him, Nicodemus, uh, that until he is born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. I can only imagine how that must have felt to him. And his literal questions, he asked him of lack of understanding about how can a physical rebirth happen again. Uh, it not, it's not possible. He, he had not spiritual understanding to hear. He only had intelli intelligence and, and uh, education understanding and his religion. So he, he, he wasn't getting it. Um, and that's hard. And it's hard to, to, to preach. Um, I almost want to feel like it's um, not good news, but this is the best news we have in the Word of God, is it not? God came to give us life and salvation while we were yet sinners for all of us that believe. I think that's the best news possible. So as I sat here thinking about it, I was thinking that more so for you and the congregations, this is a reminder of our big job that we have to stay connected after we've been saved, to continually allow God to save us day in and day out and repent and be cleansed so that we can go even after communion with the uh, body and blood and be empowered to go out there wherever we are, whether we're in Montana or Nashville or whether we're at school or whether we're in the office or wherever we are at home and the congregations and bring light be the light to the darkness, to be able to spiritually see and understand that God has a plan to use each of us in our own daily lives. John 3, 16 being the most well-known and meaningful verses in God's Word, especially 16. So what does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to us? Uh, there's a word for that I learned in college called exegesis, which that just says. What does the word say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to you and me in our own lives? The writer begins by addressing a group of people. We've heard a lot about the Sadducees and Pharisees lately. We know that this group of people were known to be very religious, as was Nicodemus. He was probably the most religious of all the Old Testament teachers. Yet, we see today, he is asking Jesus some very literal questions because he lacks spiritual understanding. When we reflect on these verses, we see that he was not spiritual, but held tightly to the law of Moses for his salvation. Therefore, it is understandable that he would not catch the way of Jesus' meaning to be born again from above by water and the Spirit. He asked, we heard Jesus, how is that physical rebirth possible? And first, let's remember being religious is not the same as being spiritual. I had someone I remember in the last couple of days uh, ask me, Junior, I was there in Columbus, just out of the blue one day in the parking lot. She said to me, someone asked me this week if you were really a religious person. Were you very religious? And I didn't really know how to feel about that at that time. Um, I'm not sure I still know how to feel about that. Hmm. People notice. People see. One could 
being more religious than he was. But the Lord makes it clear that as religious as he was, he was not yet a Christian. Tough to hear. As Jesus says, we must be born again from above. The Lord says herein, there is a difference, an eternal difference. In these verses, we are to understand that the Pharisees were using their supposedly law-obeying and good works as their ticket to heaven. While the Lord is clearly teaching that the only way to eternity in heaven is through Jesus Christ, being born again of the water and the Spirit. I appreciate the translation from one of the commentaries I studied, paralleling, paralleling the story of the, the Samaritan woman at the well, showing the relationship between Jesus' first coming and the judgment he will execute at his second coming and speaking to the religious efforts of the Sadducees and Pharisees and saving themselves through their own works and their own goodness. When they brought the woman to the well, caught in adultery, they wanted Jesus to judge and condemn her for her sin. Under the law, she did deserve to die, but Jesus did not respond as his opponents thought he would, while being while Jesus did not deny her guilt, he showed those accusing her that they were just as guilty and as much sinners as they were because of their self-righteousness and pride. Rather than immorality as she was, they were self-righteous and prideful, wanting to have her condemned for her sin but not seeing their own. Jesus showed them that they were too not without sin. Jesus is the only one we know capable of judgment. Why? Because we are all sinners too, saved by God's grace. Therefore, how can we judge others of their sin and ask for condemnation when he does not condemn us? Instead of condemning her, what did he do? Being Jesus, he forgave her of her sins. He refused to condemn her because his purpose of the first coming was to save sinners. The second go-round, he will be coming to judge. They trusted their own works instead of God's work through Jesus Christ. Not what they or we do to earn eternal life, but through the work of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. Jesus came down from heaven, and he was lifted up on a cross to bear the penalty of each of our sins and the world. He was raised, we know, from the dead, resurrected, and placed at the right hand of God the Father. He offers to us a gift of grace through our faith in Christ for salvation. Christ's righteousness and his life, not our own efforts. If we trust in him, trust, instead of in our own selves, 
we will be reborn from above and assured that we have a place in eternity. We will see the kingdom of God as Jesus puts it today, now, and in eternity. I thought about it this way. It's kind of like trying to get to heaven in an airplane. We can't get there by efforts of our own. We can only go through Jesus Christ for our eternal life and for our saving graces every day and new and fresh beginnings day by day through Him here on earth. I found a simple revelation for me this week, and I pray it speaks to you, regarding God's love. You know, we know God is love. The text today says God so loved. Past tense. This past tense means that he now loves us by and through Jesus. He sort of, if you will, gave us his offer of love to know his love and know him through giving us Jesus as an atonement for our sins. So God now loves, present tense, us through Jesus. If we, as they did, reject Jesus as the Pharisees and scribes and his offer of salvation through faith in him alone, through God's grace, then we reject God's love because it comes to us through Jesus. So faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, God's only Son is truly the way, and he is our help. We accept and know God's love, and we feel and experience God's love. We come to know he and his love, not just know about he and his love. And then we can share that loved experience with other people that may not know his love. There is no other way, and we believe that as Christians. Jesus is the way and the truth and our life. He is the only one who can enjoy, through which we can enjoy the love of God now and for eternity. To reject Jesus as God's provision for our salvation is to reject God's love and to be under divine condemnation waiting the day of God's eternal judgment. Many people then and today sought and seek to find comfort, do we not, by assuring ourselves that God loves them and us, even those that do not believe. God loved them through Jesus Christ, and God loves all people. But all people will not come to bow and know Jesus Christ know God's love and forgiveness without Christ. Again, to reject him is to reject God's love. Commentary said that it's foolish and dangerous to believe a God of love in a God of love without submitting to the Son of his love, Jesus Christ. The God of love sent Christ to save the world from sin, and he is the God who will send him again a second time to judge the world. Those who looked up to him, as we read this morning, and look up to him for salvation, for eternity and daily salvation, inherit eternal life and abundant life 
while on this earth and in heaven. The primary purpose of the Lord's coming first was to put into action the love of God toward lost sinners by providing a way of salvation, like the bronze serpent provided a means for healing for all who would look up in faith and be saved from the serpent's snake bites. Saved from death by faith. And that means physical and spiritual death. So the love of God is experienced and known then by God's people in and through, yes, the person and work of Jesus Christ. We here today, without it, we shall perish, both spiritually and physically, now and in eternity. Now 16 through 17. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, we heard, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, that the world shall be and is being saved through him and through he in us. The one who believes is not condemned. The one who does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son. I always love to say we know that God convicts, not condemns, through his Holy Spirit. Sometimes it takes more than one conviction. I know for me it does. Who is the Holy Spirit? We know God is three persons in one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, and the Godhead. God became a man in Jesus so that Jesus could die for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead to offer salvation to all people through spiritual renewal and rebirth. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his physical presence we know left the earth, but he promised and he did to send the Holy Spirit back so that his spiritual presence would be among all humankind, those who believe. The Holy Spirit first came and was available to all believers we know at Pentecost, whereas in the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit empowered specific individuals with specific purposes. Now, 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 all believers, each of us who believe, have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, with us, and working through us for God in our lives and in our hearts. I close in saying that once Nicodemus came to know Jesus personally as a Messiah, his Messiah, realizing and trusting him as Messiah, that he began to boldly speak up in Jesus' defense. Like we all must, through this Lenten season, examine Jesus for ourselves in our own our faith, our trust, our forgiveness, and the way we apply our faith and trust of him in our daily lives. One thing to believe, the next thing to live it out loud. We are focusing on looking up to be saved, 
work out our own salvation every day. Spinning our wheels trying to make it work the way we want it to work instead of surrendering our wills to the Father who knows best through Christ, our Lord, who guides and directs our steps as we plan our path, all for the asking. Further, like Nicodemus, if we believe he is who he says, then we too will want to speak up loudly for him, and we will live as if we do, and then we can stop judging and blaming other people, remembering that our battles are not with flesh and blood, but with the enemy and dark forces within, through the one trying to take our life away. To believe is more than intellectual understanding and agreement that Jesus is God. It means that we must pour our trust again and our confidence in Him that he alone can save us. It is to put Christ in charge of our lives. That's a big, that's a big one. To let God drive our truck, our car, our life. To follow him where he leads us to go. And to be used in our pain and in our suffering. To share our joy of our hope and the truth and trust we have in him as our Lord and Savior. To give him our present plans and our eternal destiny. Our present plans and our eternal destiny. And that requires a lot of listening. Believing is both trusting his words and relying on him for the power to change and our willingness to do so according to his will. Only the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, can change a person's heart and thereby changing lives. And only he knows what lies inside a person's heart. We believe God by recognizing our insufficiency of our own efforts to find salvation as the scribes and Pharisees did. If we try to obey one law, we have to earn it by obeying one law. We have to keep all the laws. And thanks be to God, God knew we couldn't keep all the laws. And by asking him to do his work in us. Many people don't want their lives to be changed. They are good with the way things are. They don't want the light, as we heard today, to expose the darkness in their lives because they are afraid of being revealed. Often they may be threatened by those whose light shines so brightly in their lives, like many of you, through Christ. So my Bible reminded me this week, and for us not to be surprised when others come against us trying to snuff out our light, the light of Christ in us, but what it says to do is don't be discouraged. Instead, keep praying that they too will come to see much better and more clearly. It is better to live in light and darkness, and they will want the light inside of you. Again, we remember from Ephesians that the enemy is our battle, not other people. We can keep it between us and the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. I want to say these
forgiveness offers this opportunity to those who have hurt us and those who we have hurt. Forgiveness is the plan of the cross of Christ, and it is to be our way and plan in our life. 